Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God. My name is Pastor Marquise, and we are a non-denominational church led by the living and active Word of God in the heart of Seattle, Washington, by Pastors Harold and Annis Faye Franklin. Whether this is your first time, second time, be sure to subscribe and share this with those that need it. Now join me and be ready to live and learn from the Word of God of God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word because it's through your word, it's by your spirit that we have and can do all the things that you've called us to have and to call us to do. And Lord, I pray for you to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us so that we can rise up and to be all that you called us to be. We come against the enemy that would come to steal the word that is planted in the hearts of the people. And I pray, Lord, that your word would allow us to continue the journey that you've set forth in our path to take. Thank you for your goodness towards us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So what we've been we've been doing a series on what's called the law of the spirit. And the law of the spirit is we're endeavoring to show how the Holy Spirit works in our daily lives. All right. So that's what the idea of the law, meaning not necessarily the law as in the law books, but the process by which the spirit moves and directs and leads. Amen. So we left off talking about the work of the spirit as it relates to today. Sometimes we read the Bible and sometimes we don't put the things or learn the things that the people of the the Bible are teaching us because we don't always see ourselves in their position. In other words, it's sometimes it's hard to understand what King Solomon could have gone through because after all, he was a king, right? But the spirit brings, and Paul said in the scriptures that all the stories of the Old Testament were written for our example, So that we might learn to know the God of the Bible. Amen? So everything we read, and this is one of the things I always tried to emphasize to my sons. And it's hard because sometimes kids look at the Bible and look at it only as a storybook. They don't see themselves in the story of Jonah, for instance. We don't see that Jonah, what's the main purpose of the story of Jonah? Anybody? It's a story of redemption. God told Jonah to go preach uh, that the Ninevites were going to be destroyed in 40 days. And Jonah didn't want to preach it. Why? Because he knows that God can sometimes forgive. But Jonah also forgot because he disobeyed. (laughs) Jonah said, I'm not going. And he tried to go someplace else. But he had to be forgiven in order to go do what God had told him to do. And sometimes we miss that about Jonah because Jonah was at that point in the position of the Ninevites when he chose to disobey. Did you ever think about that? But because God is merciful and, and allowed Jonah, and Jesus even used Jonah as an example of his death, burial, and resurrection, that Jonah becomes one of the great prophets not because of his immediate obedience, 
but because he eventually did what God called him to do. And that is the story of most of our lives. We did not all immediately do what God told us to do. Amen? How many can raise their hand on that? We had to go through something. We had to be, as I say, you know, we always talk about processed food. You know what, you know what processed food is? Everybody talking about how oh, we shouldn't eat processed food? How many have heard that on the news? Uh, don't eat processed food. Well, but in the kingdom of God, we all have to be processed. And the process is to take out this old heart, get a new heart, and then God can use us like he wants to. But that old heart has to be reinvigorated, if you will. When you get a new heart, and pastor can attest to this about the kidney, it has to adjust to the body. Are you with me here? So the new heart, which God puts in, has to teach these old muscle things that have learned from the old heart to do the wrong thing, to do the right thing. Amen? So the Holy Spirit comes to lead us, direct us, and do all the things to make us, process us into the, the walk of perfection. Now, I believe that the church's job is to strive towards perfection. Now, what does that mean? That means that we strive to be led by the Spirit in such a way that we hear his voice and we don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. But eventually we learn that, no, I, I went that route before. I'm going to follow the Lord on this issue. I'm not going to allow myself to be tricked by this issue again. That's the perfecting work of the Spirit. Now, again, we're never going to be perfect, but we're always going to strive to be perfected. Are you with me on that? And that's so important because a lot of people will say, well, nobody's perfect. Absolutely, nobody is perfect. But if you can be perfectly led by the Spirit, you will be continued to be perfected. Because the reason why we'll never be perfect, because the Holy Spirit will always show us a new area that we have never thought about that we have to be reprocessed in. Amen? So we're going to constantly be in motion towards his will and support, towards his plan for our lives. Amen? So this is what the church is all about. The five-fold ministry, the Bible says, and I'm, I'm just kind of doing an introduction here, but let me just go to Ephesians chapter 4 real quickly so we can understand why God gave us the five-fold ministry. Now, how many, first of all, know what the five-fold ministry is? Anybody? What is it? First of it is what? The first thing is the apostles, all right? The second is what? The prophets. The third is the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists. That's what's commonly referred to as the five-fold ministry. Okay, does everybody understand what I'm saying here? So prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And in Ephesians 4, it tells us exactly why God gave us these people. And it says here, um, what's it, 4, where are we? 4.11, it says, and he himself gave, everybody say he himself, who is the he himself? It's God, right? 
gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And this is why he gave them, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Now, who are the saints? It's us. A lot of people have a tradition that the saints are only those that the church has what's called canonized, which means they've done something special and therefore they're St. Andrew, St. Peter. But no, the saints are us. We are the saints, the called out, separated ones in the body of Christ. We are the saints. Everybody say, I am a saint. Come on, look at, him, look at your neighbor and say, I am a saint. I know somebody said, no, you don't act like it all the time, but that's not the issue. We still are saints, amen? But look what he says he gave us. He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and to build up the church or the body of Christ. And verse 13 is where I wanted to look at, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, everybody say perfect, man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to teach us how to what? Grow up in the things of God. Not just to jump and shout. And you know, as, we, as you see, we all love to jump and shout. But church is more than the music. Church is the lifestyle that goes with the music. Amen? I mean, we all know and have seen and, and sometimes have been those people where we're one way at church and we're another way outside the church. That's not the way God wants it to be. God wants us exactly to be consistently in him all the time. When the organ's not going, when the drums are not going, but we still have a praise in our heart that says, Lord, I don't care what I'm going through. I still trust you. Not because of the song that just told me, I will trust in the Lord, but no, because I have learned to trust God. Amen. And in order to trust God, you have to go through things to learn you can, what? Trust him. Amen? It's just like any relationship. You can't trust, well, let me put it this way. When you're, when you're raising children, you have to teach them to be trustworthy. Amen? Am I, am I right, parents? And every child's trust level has to be brought up to where you can trust them to do certain things. Everybody, you don't send to the store to get you something from the store when you have more than one child. Because <laughs> some never get back. And then, you, then when they do get back, what is the stuff I sent you? Uh, oh, you got the money? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so they didn't get the stuff or bring the money back. So next time they're not going to the store to go get this. They're not the ones yet. Not yet. Amen. But eventually you're supposed to train them up so that they can be trusted. Amen. And that's what God is doing for all of us. He wants to trust us, but all of us are not in that same level of trust. So he will continue to process us until we get there. Amen? Are you with me here? So anyway, so this is what the work of the Holy Spirit is designed to do. So let's go back to where we left off. So we've talked about how the Holy Spirit leads us. 
And we looked at Acts chapter 10 verses 1 through 19 and this specific situation was the story of Cornelius and how God was about to do a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. See, it was a new thing. And those, I don't know if you guys know the story or the history of the Bible, how the Bibles was written by Jewish people for Jewish believers until Jesus came. Everybody say that? So once Jesus came, his, his command was, go where? Into all the world and preach the gospel. Are you with me here? So first we had the Jewish people who were given the truths, the scriptures, the law, all that stuff. And even Jesus came through. It was a Jewish man and did Jewish things, lived a Jewish life. But his goal was to open the kingdom up to all people. Matter of fact, Jesus, while he was here, said the Gentiles exhibited more faith than the Jewish people. Amen. You remember that? The centurion who said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. He says, I haven't even seen that kind of faith in Israel. And then the lady with the demonically possessed daughter from Syrophoenicia, which was Syria in those days, he said, she said to her, it's not given to give the children's bread unto the dogs. Now they referred to Gentiles as dogs because they lived a dog-like existence. What does a dog live like? A dog is a, a, as an animal or any animal that works on impulse and not direction. Are you with me? That's why you have to train a dog. Otherwise they just go on impulse. They see a dog, they run. They see something, they run. But you have to teach the dog, no, be still, don't go after that. How many have dogs? How many have had a dog before? You train a dog so that they don't go on impulse, but they respond to a command. Are you with me? I hope you're getting this here. So God opened the kingdom up to all people and did not just leave it an exclusive thing. So when Cornelius, who was a Gentile, God spoke to him and said, go get Peter so he can preach you the gospel and then you can learn and believe what I've called you to learn and believe. And so Peter was sent for and so God led Cornelius to do that and then he led Peter to come and so God leads us to do the things that he wants us to do. So everybody say, God leads me. And so that means that we have to be willing followers. Amen? Amen. Second thing we understood is that God restrains us from doing certain things. What does restraint mean? Keeps us from doing certain things. Now, I know we're in the era of grace and everybody said, well, grace covers all the sin. And grace does cover every sin, but the spirit of grace, which is the Holy Spirit, keeps us from sinning. Are you with me here? So the Spirit will keep you from doing something that God does not want you to do. He will keep you from getting into a relationship, into a job, into a circumstance, joining a group that he does not want you to be a part of. You might say, well, why does he want? Because he's smarter than you. <laughs> Everybody say, God 
is smarter than me and mean that. See, the problem is people don't mean that. A lot of people think that they're smarter or as smart as God. And I'm going to show you how. We read the Bible and we read about the Noah flood and, and, and maybe I'm just only talking about me. And I said, God, why did you, why did you kill everybody? Couldn't you? I, here I am. Don't know the details. Don't have all the information. But I wonder why God couldn't have done it in a different way. Why? Because I think I'm as smart as he is. Are you with me here? And there's the, therein lies man's problem. We always think we are as smart as God is. And therefore, we don't think he's got the best. That's why when we hear the Bible say Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, we say, no, there's got to be another way. Amen? But that's not, if not, if you want to do it his way. Now, if you want to do it your way, yeah, there are many ways, but his way is only one way. And you have to learn to embrace his way. The third thing we talked about is that God reveals scripture to us. Everybody say reveals scripture to us. The Holy Spirit reveals scripture. So let's go to Acts chapter 8 verse 30, what did I say? 26 through 35. So Acts 8, 26 through 35. It says here, now, if you have it, and if you don't have your Bible, we have it on the board so you can follow along. It says, now an angel of the Lord, and I'm reading, reading from the King, New King James Version, spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which God goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. <clears throat> now, for those that don't know anything about the, the geography of Jerusalem, Jer Gaza is a little strip between Egypt and, and, and that's where, and, and, and we've heard on the news, it's called the Gaza Strip. There's like a strip between, a buffer strip between the Jewish people in Israel and the Egyptians. When their war was going on, this buffer was created to keep them from starting another war. Now, the strip has been given to the Palestinian people. And so it's now part of the, the, the forming Palestinian uh, nation. But in, in the meantime, it's now just Gaza. So he says, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. So notice he's reading the Bible. Now, it was not like the Bible we have today with chapters and books. The Bibles in those days were like scrolls. So they, they rolled them out, and that's how they read, okay? And each book was kept in, an, in a separate scroll. So how he got to the scroll of chapter... And notice they were not chapters and verses back then. The chapter and verse, and maybe the, you guys didn't know this, chapters and verses were created by the translators in the modern era, okay? So the Bible is not written in chapter and verse. It's written as a one united letter, okay? So it's important to understand that. But we have it in chapters and verses so that we can segment and understand it better, amen? 
I mean, you, you have to admit it's better to have a chapter and a verse where you can tell people where to go and where, the, where about, you're about to read, right? So anyway, let's go back to chapter 8, verse 27. And it says, Candace the queen, and he came to Jerusalem and was returning and sitting in the chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet, and the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? This is what should be our answer when we read the Bible. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, just, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Philip, who is the scripture talking about? And then the Holy Spirit tells Philip what, how to teach and open the scripture of Isaiah to the Ethiopian. And he preached to him, as the scripture said, Jesus from that passage. Because that is a passage that was a prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? But we don't know that until the Spirit reveals it to him. Matter of fact, our, our Jewish brothers still will not accept that that is talking about Jesus because they have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. But they will admit that it is a, it is a passage about the Messiah, but they just won't admit who the Messiah is. Because the Holy Spirit has to reveal to us what the scriptures are saying. Many people always say, well, how do we know that the Bible says what it says? How many have ever heard that before? We know what the Bible says because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And since he wrote the Bible, he can tell you what it means. Amen? But what happens is people don't accept what the Holy Spirit mean, says it means, and so they try to make their own meaning. And that's why you get all these different interpretations of Scripture. And therefore, we have confusion because we won't accept that the Spirit has revealed it and we won't accept them. We want to say, ah, it's got to mean more than that. It's got to be just... But So we continue to search for things that the Spirit did not intend us to search for in that passage. But if we trust the Holy Spirit, he will reveal truth to us. His job is to reveal truth to us. Amen? To open our understanding so that we can understand what the scriptures are teaching. That's his job. Amen? So the sec that's, that's the next point. The, ne the next point, excuse me, is that he gives us direction on what to do. Everybody say direction. I was uh, teaching the little kids yesterday, and I, was, I had my, my, my oldest granddaughter and my grandson and, and the third daughter, and the oldest is six now, so she has a lot of questions, and she asked me this question, how come, how come we can't hear what God says to us? <laughs> Or, or, I think, or how come I can't hear God speaking to me? I said, well, God, no, then, then she asked, does he, does he really speak? I said, yes, God speaks to us. 
but we just have to listen very carefully. We have to train our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying because all the noise around blocks out the voice of the Spirit. But of course, God, and I had a teacher, yes, God does speak to us, but we have to be taught how to listen to him. Amen? Just like we have to be taught as children how to understand what our parents are saying. You know, your, your, your children, actually, when they come out, they don't understand what you're saying right away, right? I mean, how many remember when they had babies? You could tell your baby when they're crying, be quiet, and they ignore you because they don't know what that means. But when they're two, and you say, and they start crying for no reason, you say, be quiet, guess what? Then they understand what you mean, and they should obey at that point, right? Of course, we know they don't obey, but at least they begin to understand. Therein lies the problem. We have to be trained to hear the voice of the Spirit but then we also have to obey, everybody say obey, what the Spirit is saying to us. And that's where we have to fight the fight of faith. Because we don't always want to do what the Spirit tells us to do. Or we don't always not want to do what the Spirit tells us not to do. Amen? Because we think we know best. Amen? <laughs> All the time, yeah. But we have to be trained. Everybody say trained. So let's go to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. So we're in 8, so let's just jump over a few chapters here. It says here, Now the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was, all, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, "Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, notice what they were doing. They said the Scripture says they were ministering to the Lord. And then the, the Spirit spoke through some of the prophets amongst them. And then they were fasting. And then the Spirit said to take, separate Paul and Barnabas because I have a job for them to do. And so then they said, okay, Lord, we're going to do that. And they fasted and continued and prayed and they laid hands on. They sent, and then they sent them out to do what God had called them to do. This is what God does in our lives. We're supposed to spend our time ministering to the Lord. Now, what does it mean to minister to the Lord? It's partly, it has to do with worship, but it has to do with living, lifestyle. Constantly spending time with the Lord in prayer, in studying the Word of God, in fasting. You know, some people don't talk about fasting too much, but we need to fast. What does it mean to fast? It means to deny yourself. Food, most of the time we talk about fast. Now, you know, there's all sorts of fast breaking out. Now, I remember my, my wife was telling me the other day that some people wanted to fast from Facebook. 
<laughs> well, if you, if you got Facebook on the brain that badly, yeah, you do need to fast from Facebook. If you can't turn it off, you need to fast. But when you talk about fast, yes, it has to do with denial, but usually it has to do with the, the denial of the highest need that people have, which is what? Food. Because without food for a long time, guess what? You're not going to live. That's why it's Jesus' kids. <laughs> attitude happens, yeah. When you fast, attitudes come. But that's why Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we have to learn to deny ourselves, not just for the sake of denial, but to minister to the Lord. And as we spend time ministering to the Lord, he speaks to us on what we want to do, what he wants us to do in our lives or with our lives. Amen. And this is how we get direction. This is how we train ourselves to hear the voice of the spirit. And so this is what, when we, when we, when, like even when we start this church, God began to deal with us. First of all, he had to deal with me to want to be a pastor because that's not the desire that I had. You might say, well, why didn't you want to be a pastor? Well, I just didn't. <laughs> there was no reason. Well, actually, when I was younger, the reason was I didn't want to be a pastor because I didn't want to be broke. That was what I said. I don't want to, Lord, I don't want to be struggling financially. I don't want to be. And because at that time, I was going to law school. And so I would say, lawyer, pastor, lawyer, pastor, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> and so, but as God began to open my understanding, I just didn't have a desire. Now, I was a teacher. I taught at schools. I taught in church. I taught all the time. But I never, never needed to be a pastor. But God called me to pastor, and I had to process that calling and then he had to reveal to me what it is that he wanted me to do as a pastor. And that's why part of our vision is to build a church first and then we want to build a school and, and some other things as well. But this is what God has called me to do. Now, I cannot build a church or build a school by myself. So I need God to bring people in with a like vision so we can do the things that God has called us to do. So God's desire is, and get this, is to bring people in so that every person that is in the church can be used by God in the way that God has uniquely gifted them to be used. Amen? See, a lot of times we think that all we do is we come to church we sit in the chair and, then not, and we go home, but that's not what the church is. The church is the church doing things, and the people in the church are the vehicles that, in which the church does things. So God has called everybody into a certain gifting so that they can be what he's called them to be. But your gifting has to be, everybody say with me, processed. See, a lot of us are gifted but it has not been processed by the Spirit. What I mean by process is it has not been submitted to the Holy Spirit. 
That's why you get people in church positions that like say, let's say the person has been trained in music and so therefore we make them the music director. But if they've not been processed to submit their gifting to the spirit, they're going to get in the music and say, well, I'm going to do this the way I'm going to do it because I was trained to do it. No, see, you, you have to go back and re reprocessed because you still want to do it the way you want to do it and not the way God wants you to do it. Amen? So there is a process that everybody has to go through. We have to surrender our giftings to God. You ever wonder why Jesus did not make Matthew the treasurer of his ministry instead of Judas? Well, he was a tax collector, so he was good with numbers. He handled money. Did you guys know that Matthew was a tax collector? Those of you guys who read the Bible? He handled money. You, uh, to be a tax collector, you got to know how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And do percentages. Because <laughs> you got to get yours. But he didn't allow Matthew to be the, the, the treasurer, but he allowed Judas. Now, maybe he shouldn't allow Judas, but God knows what he does, right? I mean, I'm not, well, not going to sit up here and second guess Jesus. But the point is, there was something in Matthew that had to be processed that Jesus did not allow him to use the thing that he had acted in as a normal person before he was called to the ministry. Are you with me here? I'm trying to give you an example of how God will use you, but he wants to use you on his terms. Amen? See, a lot of people want to come to God on their terms. Lord, I'll, I'll be saved, but I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. You still need to be processed. You got to say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, when you want me to do it, however you want me to do it. And that takes, a time, that takes time to get there. And that does not mean you become a doormat, and the church should not be a place where they run over you. Everybody say, don't run over me. But the church should be a place where your gifting is edified or built up so that you can do and be what God has called you to do and be. Amen? This is what the church is called to do. God wants us to be led or to do what he's uniquely qualified us to do so that we can fulfill the plan that he has for us. Amen? And the last thing, and the last point, and then we'll bring it close, is that the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the church. Everybody say administrator. administrator. What is an administrator? Somebody tell me real quickly. What is somebody that administrates? An overseer, manager, planner, director. All these things the Holy Spirit is over the church. And within his under-shepherd, then he appoints other administrators, directors, managers, and leaders. But all under his authority. That's why we can't, we're not supposed to get out of line with what he's planned or we've now moved outside the, the umbrella of his administration. And a lot of times we don't think of God as the administrator of the church, and that's probably why we get into a lot of trouble. But God is able to manage the church 
But the church has to be willing to be managed by the Spirit. Amen? And therein, as we go back to what my granddaughter said, we have to be trained to be led by the Spirit. And this is why the church exists, is to teach people to be led by the Spirit. Not just to talk about, bless me, Lord, bless me, because when you're taught by, to be led by the Spirit, God will show you how to be blessed. See, you, you, can, you can be blessed and unwise and won't keep your blessing. Amen? That's, those, that's called people who win the lottery. People who win the lottery, the story goes that within years, one, two, or three, most of them, no matter how much money they've won, they've lost it because they were not wise in their, if you want to call that a blessing, I'm not sure you can call that a blessing, but let's just say it is financially. But you have to learn to be wise with your money so that you can learn to keep and preserve what you have and to continue to be a blessing, not only to your household, but at your household's households. Amen? Other people's household. So you're not blessed just for you. You're blessed for the, the body. You're blessed to help. Yes, you're going to bless yourself, but you can also be a blessing when God blesses you. Amen? Amen. And that's what it means to be more blessed to give than to just receive. Because when you're always receiving, guess what? You're always in need. But when you're in a position of giving, you have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. When you give to somebody, that usually means you have extra. Doesn't that, isn't that what it means? Isn't that what it means? You don't give. When, you, when somebody asks you for something and you don't have extra, I'm sorry, I can't give. Right? Why? Because I don't have enough for me right now. But God wants to get us to a place of wisdom where he can not only bless our lives, but we could be a blessing to the lives of other people. Amen. So this is what the work, the law of the spirit is all about. To teach us how to be led by the spirit of God. Amen. So let's stand and we're going to pray and then we're going to be dismissed. Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God. My name is Pastor Marquise, and we are a non-denominational church led by the living and active Word of God in the heart of Seattle, Washington, by Pastors Harold and Annis Faith Franklin. Whether this is your first time, second time, be sure to subscribe and share this with those that need it. Now join me and be ready to live and learn from the Word of God.